0: The Gospel today is from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Licinius, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Aeneas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see see the salvation of God. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire." And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, "And we, what should we do?" He said to them, "Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages." The gospel of the Lord.
1: Be seated. Thank you, Vicky.) <clears throat> The same question emerges for me every time I hear this story. What does it mean to bear fruit worthy of repentance? They're John's words today. We can't miss them. And they are his call to the people who are coming in droves to be baptized in the River Jordan. So let's break this down to bear fruit to contribute, to grow something, to produce something, to live out your purpose. Think of a raspberry bush. It's meant to produce raspberries. Respond like you are alive. Do something that matters. Worthy, valued, befitting. Repentance. The origin of the word in Greek is metanoia. It means to turn from one thing to another, turning from yourself in your own direction, turning back to God. So to do something befitting of being brought back to God is what it means to bear fruit worthy of repentance. This is difficult to understand, though, because you hear of some who tout their christianness and tell you all the things that they are doing right i lead a bible study i listen to christian radio i have memorized a book of the bible i go to church every week of course these things are good but it sounds like there's a prescribed way to bear fruits worthy of repentance What if you're not interested in leading a Bible study or if you prefer country music over Christian music? Are you then not able to bear fruit worthy of repentance? And then there is the other extreme, Those who John is very clear about. Those who think that because they have faith, that's all they need. Faith then seems like a one-time badge to sew on a jacket or something requiring a membership card. All you have to do is pull it out. Something assumed that does not require tending. John is clear. God can raise up stones to be children of Abraham. So the people around John are trying to figure out, like I am, what this bearing fruit is about. So they ask, what should we do? John is very specific and clear. Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations and be satisfied with your wages. Pastor Joel and I had a lunch meeting this week and we were driving back and we were stopped at the light on Vinewood waiting to turn left on Rockford Road to get back to church. There on the median stood a person with only their eyes exposed. The wind on Tuesday was so cold that it could rip your cheeks. I was not even sure if it was a man or a woman because they were so bundled up and they simply held a sign that said, Need help. And as we were stopped, I couldn't help but looking at their eyes. And I told Joel how difficult it is to look someone in the eyes knowing that our bellies are full right now and we are right next to one that is empty. It exposes the inequity of the world and always makes me think about what I'm doing to make, <clears throat> to make things more fair and just. And Joel said to me, Beth, we have just entered humanity in the brokenness of the world. And honestly, it was one of those moments where you realize that your education and your experiences and your thoughts feel really inadequate, and all I could do was turn back to God and say, okay, God, if you are really here, and I believe that you are, then how am I supposed to respond to this inequity? Because what each of us do makes a difference. Rachel Naomi Raymond was featured on On Being around Thanksgiving time. I commend that podcast to you. And I want to quote a little bit of that interview. She talks about her grandpa telling her the story of the birthday of the world. In the beginning, she says, there was only holy darkness, the Einsof, the source of life. Then, in the course of history, at a moment in time, this world, the world of a thousand, thousand things, emerged from the heart of the holy darkness as a great ray of light. And then, perhaps, because this is a Jewish story, she says, there was an accident, and the vessels containing the light of the world, the wholeness of the world broke. And the wholeness of the world, the light of the world, was scattered into a thousand thousand fragments of light. And they fell into all events and all people, where they remained hidden until this very day. She continues, Now, according to my grandfather, the whole human race is a response to this accident. We are here because we are born with a capacity to find the hidden light in all events and all people, to lift it up and make it visible once again, and thereby to restore the innate wholeness of the world. This is a very important story for our times, that we heal the world, one heart at a time. This task is called tikkun olam, in Hebrew, restoring of the world. We are all healers of the world, and that story opens up a sense of possibility. It is not about healing the world by making the world by a huge difference. It is healing the world that touches you, the world around you. That is where the power is. But I think, she says, that we all feel that we're not enough to make a difference, that we need to be more wealthier or more educated or somehow other different than the people we are. But according to the story, we are exactly what is needed. And just to wonder about that a little, what if we were exactly what is needed? What then? How would I live if I was exactly what's needed to heal the world? These questions are very important. People will say about a story like this, how can I make a difference when I'm so wounded myself? How can I make a difference when I feel so not enough? But it's our very wounds that enable us to make a difference. You are the right people just as we are. I wonder what it would look like if we actually did this. If we would bear fruits just as we are. And John says this too, specifically if you're a tax collector, just don't collect more than's prescribed by you. What if we believed that we were called to places and people to uncover the fragments of life, and each of us, through our unique experiences and proximity, had the power to change the world, to expose light in all sorts of places? My mom is moving this month. You know what moving is about. It's taking what we have and relocating it to a new spot but it's never quite like you expect. It's always more tedious than you anticipate. There's the tactical aspect to it, of course, coordinating things, changing phone lines and addresses, installing wireless internet access, packing boxes. I'm also encountering the emotional aspect. Change is hard. Going through drawers and boxes makes it clear that life is not like it used to be. It pokes at morality, the changing of life, the new place that we are at that we're not quite sure we're ready for. I was thinking I could just follow a project plan of to-dos this month, crossing off tasks as I go, but I have realized this is not a task. It's bearing fruit. And it's requiring me to turn back from myself and my own expectations, to turn to see my mom, to be present to do things, but also to be present to honor and accompany her in this new place and time. I realize once again in this experience that what we do and how we do it matters. It is because of love that moving my mom is held in patience and dignity and hope. And this work will never be Christmas card worthy. It will never make the top list of my accomplishments this year. But it's alive. It's bearing fruit of repentance. And I have needed every day to turn back to God To understand that I'm called at this moment to bear fruit in this way. Where are the people and the places where you are being called right now to show up and bear fruit? You will know this, but because it will require you to turn back to God, to question, to wonder, to be forgiven, to be given strength. But don't underestimate that this could be something close to you, and you really do have something to give because of who you are. What breaks your heart in the world, and how could you respond to that need right now? John is really clear for us today. To do nothing is not okay. These are John's words. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. And you can't miss in the story that the people were coming to him in droves. They knew something was missing in their life, that they were worthy of making a difference in the world, and they wanted to know how to do it. They wanted to know that there was purpose, and what they could do every day, because John knew Jesus was here. God in flesh was coming, and so the world cannot stay as it is. And that is why we need to come back, that the kingdom is here, and God breathes his life into us and calls us to turn from trying to make a good life and rather to bear fruit worthy of his presence here and now. What you do matters. The light is within you and others, and we are called to discover it. And you know what? We're called to be a church of many light fragments. And this is never-ending, beautiful work to turn back each week to God in our midst, who is forgiving us and holding us and equipping us to bear sometimes this unremarkable fruit to uncover the life and the light within all people. Let it be so. Amen.